today, I, well, first of all, I, I forgot like the last window I spoke before, but I just wanted to say thank you, Travis, and thank you to everyone here, and in particular those in leadership and who serve here and who, who have spoken. Uh, it's just like really nice for us to be here. And um, we love you all. We've only been coming for some, maybe been here less than us here, I don't know. We've only been attending since, like, I think the end of the summer, something like that. And uh, when we first moved here was about a year before that. And uh, Matthew and Jennifer and their kids are our neighbors. We're in the same building in, in uh, Callis Village, which is uh, housing for, for Asbury Seminary. And uh, so we actually met them. Like, he helped us unload the truck, and their kids helped them too. So. And uh, it was just like a really amazing welcome. Uh, not just them, but it was, it was an interesting day. It was like the whole neighborhood came out, you know? Like, like wow. I think it was partly because Jen had made some connections ahead of time. She's, she's a really a networker, and I'm like, kind of not, you know? I mean, I don't mind, you know, I love people, but she does, she connects with people. And so I think some, she had let them know that Dave were coming. So that was really cool. Uh, well, anyway, I just want to say thank you, and also thank you for inviting me to speak. Yeah. Uh, and thank you to our God and Father for just gathering us together today. Father, thank you for setting aside this day as a holy day. Lord, we invite you, we've already spoken this in prayer before service and in different points along the way, but Lord, we welcome your presence. We come here to meet with you. We love you, we want to know you more. We ask that you will speak to us. Lord, just like Travis said, it's not that we want to hear from a man or a woman, it's we want to hear from our God, we want to hear from you. Lord, speak to each one of us in prayer right now in Jesus' name. Well, uh, so, I'm going to tell a, a couple of stories. Uh, the first story... There's no easy way to introduce this topic. I, I felt when uh, Travis in, invited me to speak last month, and I prayed about it the next few days, I immediately sensed the Holy Spirit uh, directing me to speak about discernment of spirits, the, the spiritual gift of discernment of spirits, and which I've, I've never heard anybody devote a whole message to that one gift. Um, I have heard people speak on the topic of spiritual warfare, and that's definitely a big part. Discernment of spirits is definitely a big part of engaging in spiritual warfare. Uh, and what I'm speaking out of, I mean, I'm, I'm at the seminary in a biblical studies program. So I'm learning languages, I'm learning how to read the, the original text and to exegete, you know, to drive the meaning of the original text. And I think if you were here last time I spoke, that message was more along those lines, and this will have some of that. But this message is, and so there's that, but that's not really primarily what's gonna be going on today. And then there's people, there are people, and some of them maybe in this room, who have a lot more experience with uh, this type of, this subject matter than I do. And uh, discerning spirits and engaging in that fight for people's freedom. This is about freedom. This is about the life that God has for us. And uh, I've engaged, I, I feel like looking back on my life, I've primarily engaged in a fight for my own freedom. You know, <laughs> like there were so many, there's a long period there. And that's one of the first things I'm going to kind of share about where I, uh, I knew the Lord. I came to know the Lord as a young child, but I wasn't walking faithfully with him. I was had patterns of sin in my life, seriously, and eventually came to the understanding that there were demonic strongholds in my life, and one of them was a spirit of fear. And I came to realize that when I was in college, and there would be certain situations 
that would arise. One would be maybe, like I said, if I had, I had these patterns of sin in my life. So if I had uh, engaged in some sinful act, then this might happen. Or it might be when another certain topic was brought up that I would find myself start to shake uncontrollably. And it was, I, I didn't really actually think, feel afraid exactly. Maybe I did feel afraid on the inside, but I wasn't processing it as feeling afraid. But I was shaking uncontrollably, and I was like, stressed, and I was embarrassed if I was around people, you know. I didn't know what to do, and I was just kind of like, okay, gonna go on with my day, I don't know what to do. And at some point, there was a click. I was like, oh, it's the spirit of fear. And I don't know where, I don't remember the moment that happened, uh, but there was a, I, I think it's a revelation. I mean, I, we're, I'm gonna get into the text in, First uh, Corinthians 12, where it lists spiritual, there is one of the places where it lists spiritual gifts in the Bible. And I, this one is, is funny because, you know, you have gifts like prophecy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and then you have gifts like tongues, and then um, miracles, healing, and some of them are revelatory, where God is revealing information. And then some of them are um, activities like healing and miracles. Where, where God is working through the faith, the person to do, to accomplish something. And this one, I, I don't know, I'm not quite sure where to categorize it, but I think it's revelatory, you know? And so I had this click of, oh, that's a spirit of fear. Well, once I realized that, I had, I had gone through enough processing and hearing from different teachers and reading different books to where I, uh, had I understood like a way what somewhat what to do next, which was based on like one of the passages is, is Luke 10, uh, 17 through 20. And in this passage, uh, Jesus had sent out 70 or 72, depending on the, 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 uh, the text, um, of his disciples. So originally, earlier, he sent out the 12 disciples to preach, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to proclaim good news. And then later, he sends out 70 disciples. And they come back, and they're amazed, and they say, even the demons are subject to us. They're talking to Jesus. They say, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And Jesus says, I've given you authority. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't write the whole passage down, I wrote like little bits. The part I wrote down is this, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Someone have it pulled up? Yeah, I did. What does it say between there? Can you read that for me? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Okay, I, so to uh, paraphrase that, it said, Actually, no, let's do this. Can you say that in the mic? I'll just come up here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Thanks. So I had, like I said, I had had enough, I'd learned enough, I knew enough that, okay, God's given us authority over evil spirits. We took authority. And I may have I may have like partnered with some friends, you know, and prayed and asked God to come. God come, you know. I remember the, the verse in 1 Timothy, I have not given He has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So it's like uh, in that verse in Timothy, it's like he gives us the antidote to fear. You know, so something I'm gonna talk about a little more later is when we engage in these type of situations, when we recognize there is a demonic spirit, evil spirit, unclean spirits, different terminology, uh, one of the really important things to do is to praise God, in particular in the area that's opposite to what that spirit is doing. Yes. And so, you know, like I said, First Timothy, Paul's letter to Timothy gives us the the, the you know, formula or the strategy for dealing with fear. So I knew that. I knew that verse. And I said, God, thank you that you have given me a spirit of love and of power and of sound mind. I take authority over that spirit of fear. I command the spirit of fear to leave right now in Jesus' name. 
God, I ask that you will fill me with your Holy Spirit and uh, empower me and help me, you know, because I was like, I knew the steps, but I was still kind of like not really sure. Like, you know, <laughs> we'll see how this goes. <laughs> you know, uh, it was a fight, and it was a fight that I had to engage in over the course of years, and that was uh, probably as much because of my own rebellious heart and my own, you know, just desires to do my own thing that I didn't want to let go of patterns of behavior which were continuing to open a door to the experience in my life. Well, uh, thank God, he is faithful. There's a verse that I might have to do somewhere, you might know. Yeah, even if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful, right? I hung on to that verse, you know? I hung on to the, these old hymns and the songs, like, just come to the cross, run to the cross, because I would fall into sin and, and, and repent. And I had to get to the point that, uh, uh, Joey's not here, but he, he shared this idea that he heard somebody say, like, if there's something that's overwhelming you, it's like, is it bigger than God in your perception? Are you, is that thing, whatever it is, is that taking a bigger part of your field of view than God is? So we need to like change that so that God is bigger in our view and our understanding and our perception and whatever the thing is, whether it's good or bad, honestly. And so I had to get to that. I had to just like continually, uh, of course, confess, repent if I sinned. Um, and then there would be like a, uh, after I had engaged, you know, done something wrong, I knew it was wrong, I knew it at the time, then I would repent. And then there's this like kind of boomerang where you go from rebellion and then you repent and then all of a sudden you go into like shame and humiliation and depression and hopelessness. And then I had to recognize, oh, that's also a lie to trap of the enemy. Yeah. We can't go there, you know? So then I had to repent of that. Like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Well, I wasn't actually planning to get into to all of this, but it's, it's, it's relevant for sure. And it's part of the whole topic because it's like, how do evil spirits even have access? Or like, how do they even get in the fight against believers? You know? Because Jesus has completely disarmed them. They have absolutely no say, no authority, no power, you know, unless we give them power, right? So it's like, when we are in these fights with evil spirits, particularly as believers, it's often because, and not always, certainly, but some, frequently it's because we are engaged in, in sin and in a struggle with sin. And so we have to take authority over that spirit, command it to leave, and then we also have to recognize our own, our own hearts and go through that journey of healing and of just asking God to change our hearts. Uh, I spoke on the book, on uh, James 1, uh, December, and that, that passage in there where he says, you know, don't let anyone say, uh, God is tempting me. God tempts no one and he's not temptable by evil. However, each one sins when he is led astray by his own desire. Okay, so like that's the, those are the two things. It's like we have this fight against real, personal, evil spirits. We have authority over them in Christ. We take that authority and command them to leave, and they leave. And then we still have our own hearts to struggle with, you know, to conform this this uh, struggle to conform our own hearts to God's ways. Okay. Well, let me tell another story. Uh, somewhere along the way, I heard somebody teaching on this topic uh, give a you know like a you know sometimes people will give you teach you like how to how to say certain things like how, what can you say in a situation. And this this particular teacher. Uh, would say, like, um, you know, I bind that spirit in Jesus' name. Like, when you discern, when you recognize that an evil spirit was operating, they would say, I bind that spirit in Jesus' name. And this is drawn from a passage in Matthew that's its own, that's, uh, it's, kind of, it's actually a tough passage to interpret. But I, I took hold of that, I caught that by faith, and I began to put that into practice using that terminology. And so, 
a minute ago, I used the phrase, I command that spirit to leave in Jesus' name. And then there's this other phrase that I will use, I bind that spirit in Jesus' name. And the, the difference for me is if it's myself, my family, my home, or an area where, like say it was, you were a leader, you know, here you discerned there was an evil spirit engaged, you would command the spirit to leave. If it's a place where you have authority, that kind of authority. You, know, you just command the spirit to leave. Also, if the individuals involved are believers and they're in agreement with the situation and you're working with them, you can work with them and either they or you or both of you can command the spirit to leave. Absolutely, and we should. But then there's other situations where a spirit is influencing the situation through another person or in an organization, and it's a little different, you know? Like, like if I'm having an interaction with a person that may not even know the Lord, and I discern that a spirit is operating through them in the situation, I'm probably not gonna, you know, attempt to cast the spirit out of that person. Uh, Unless, like, you know, we go through a, unless first I leave them to the Lord, you know? Like, to share Jesus, the love of Jesus with them and just take them through the process. But what it, so what I've done instead is I'll say I bind the spirit. Like, say, for example, it's a, um, yeah, there's, a many, there's many different ways. I'll just share this, this story. I had a family member who was dealing with another family member. And, uh, she said about him that uh, when she was talking, it seemed like whenever she talked with him on the phone, it, he was just really angry, upset, just, just it was unexplainable, it was, unreal, it was unreasonable. And I had it click, oh, I think there's a spirit of anger operating, you know? And, and since I had learned this, I, at that point, I had a moment of like faith, because I, I had done this around other people, like say somebody was behaving in a certain way, discerned it was a spirit of anger or some whatever other spirit, hopelessness, you know, there's many. And I would and I would maybe like quietly from across the room say, I bind the spirit of anger in Jesus' name. I'm not allowed to operate here. And I would see a change. And so I was growing in faith, you know, through my own experience. And so when I was talking with this family member about something, uh, I had this click, like, oh, I think that's the spirit of anger. And I had the faith rise up within me of the Holy Spirit, like, oh, we can take authority over that, even though he's in another state. And so we did. I explained it to her, and we talked about it. We were on the phone, actually. And so I was just like, wow, this has this work. But I had this faith rise up, and, oh, we can do this. And so we did together. We said, I find the spirit of anger from operating in this individual's life. In particular, when they speak on the phone, in Jesus' name. And then, you know, we talked about everything and stuff like that. And later, when I talked to her again, she said, yeah, it was totally different. When I talked to him, he was, you're not like he's an angel, but, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't the same energized thing. Another, another little story. Uh, I was in a, a prayer ministry in Oregon for a couple of years, and through the church where the prayer ministry was held, I met this woman who was who attended that church. And this one time she came up to me and she said, she was just like really, you know, upset. And she said, you know, I have this, she had this little granddaughter who was about five or six years old. And uh, this woman's daughter was not a believer, but she was. And, and she said her granddaughter came to her, like one day just said to her out of the blue, you know, I'm not sure about Jesus anymore. Like, you know, I don't know about Jesus, Grandma. I don't know, you know, something like along those lines. That's really odd. You know, you don't usually hear that from like a five-year-old or a six-year-old. If anything, it's the opposite, you know? Usually the children are, are just like all in and love it, you know? <laughs> and so I had this click, like, oh, there's a spirit behind that. And I was talking to her about it. I think it was like, I think there's a spirit there. And, uh, I, I don't remember which of us ended up calling it this way. But one of us ended up saying it was a spirit of anti, it was an antichrist spirit. Um, it's a little side note: antichrist means another. Anti means another in Greek, so antichrist is like another Messiah in the place of Jesus. But 
but yeah, it is like, okay, this is a term. It doesn't mean the spirit's name, whatever language is Antichrist spirit. This is a descriptive term. So this is part of how we handle this in uh, engaging in spiritual warfare and engaging in with the spirit realm. We don't have to know, you know, some spirit's name. We just know what they're doing. We call them by that. The Holy Spirit and his angels enforce it. Okay? It's done in faith. So there's just if you didn't know that. Uh, so this woman and I, again, her, her granddaughter's at home across town. We just agreed together. We, and I said, in Jesus' name, I bind the Antichrist spirit from operating in this little girl's life. And, uh, you know, at that point, I, I didn't know, you know how to go. I was just, like, trying to step out. I was like, yeah, I think this is going on. This is what I'm sensing. I think this is what we should do. But I was kind of worried about it, actually. <laughs> but the next time I saw her, she said, yeah, she totally just switched. She was like, yeah, like, I'm right. Oh, Jesus, he's great. You know, I don't remember her words. But it just totally turned around. And so these, these experiences I've had have built up my faith and have, have, have learned. So like I said before, I don't actually think that I'm uh, remarkable in my in this area. Um, I actually think there's many, there's probably many in this room, probably several, who have more experience and more knowledge in this area than I do. But I remember a at our, at our church in, that we went, attended in Oregon, uh, one time uh, one of our brothers sharing about hearing from God, he said, he's like, yeah, I, I'm like not very good at this. I never was, but I, had, I learned. And so sometimes it's the people who learn the hard way who were able to share it. Like, yeah. So before we move on, because the topic that we're talking about, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, tricky. It's, it's kind of dangerous in a way. I would like, I would love for us, so we all engage in worship together, we agree together to glorify God. What I actually like us to do is do that again, but not in a song. Uh, I want us to turn to a song, and there's Bibles in, your, in the pews, and they're NIV, and so if you have an NIV on your phone, just pull that up, whatever you like. Or, you know, just go along with us now. Uh, so, one of the songs that uh, Noel and Donnie were singing, had this line in it, Who Shall I Fear? Like the God of Angel Arms. That, that line is in one of the songs that I was thinking about, which is Psalm 27. So what I'd like for us to do is, if you come, if you would stand, you don't have to stand, but if most of us could stand, that would be wonderful. And turn, turn to Psalm 27. And let's do this. Let's uh, let's read responsibly. And so we're going to split the verse. I'm going to read the first half of the verse, and then when I stop, you all together read the second half of the verse. Read in confidence, in faith, and as an act of praise and worship, Make, take, taking this to heart and praising God as we as we read. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's right. When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my, my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. That's right. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though the war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Let's read this verse together. One, One thing, thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Yeah, we could go on. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high on a rock. Let's stop there for now. Y'all can sit if you like. Uh, I'm going to read another song, just a few verses of it. And I'm, the reason I'm doing this is because this is this is like step one for me. If I discern there's an evil spirit involved in a situation, step one is praise. Praise to God. Okay? And in particular, praise him in the exact area that the enemy is acting in. Okay? And many times I will quote a song 
because I've memorized some psalms over the years. When I used to drive trucks, I memorized scripture while I was driving. My father taught me to memorize scripture when I was like 11 years old. Wonderful. I will, this one I'm going to do for my, uh, the way I learned it. I, this is Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my lips. My soul makes it boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. That's the next verse. I sought the Lord. I know there's a verse that says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. I love that verse. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. That's a good one if you're dealing with shame, right? Wow. How about memorize that verse? If shame is a struggle in your life, like it is for most of us, it was for me. Still is sometimes. Uh, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. That's a good one. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. I can't not read the next one. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man or woman who takes refuge in him. So why did I want to stop, want to pause over what I was talking about and read some Psalms? It's because this is a weapon of our warfare, right? This is like, this is it. The enemy's trying to distract us from what God is doing. Before we even deal with it, we turn our focus to the Lord. We set our hearts on Him. We honor Him and praise Him for His ways, for what He's doing. Uh, I mentioned a minute ago about, about Luke 10, 17. Uh, Jesus said, I have given you authority over to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. I just love that verse. And it's, and it's good to realize he wasn't even just speaking to the, now even when he's speaking to the 12, I, my understanding of what happened in the upper room in, in Acts 2, you know, is that like those words he spoke to the 12, that's for all of us now. So he's sending all of us out to heal the sick, cast out the demons, raise the dead. But in this case, you have it to the 72, so it's already expanded from the 12. And, um, but then he goes on to say, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So this is about like keeping our focus in the right place, like not letting us be pulled into uh, the enemy's way of doing things. Uh, for those who have seen Star Wars, you know, this is like a lesson, even though there's a lot in Star Wars we wouldn't agree with, but there's, this is a lesson in Star Wars. It's like that the Emperor is trying to get Luke to turn to, to hate, to fight hate with hate. You know? And so it's a good, and we can learn that lesson. Uh, we, don't, we don't do things his way. We turn to praise, and we rejoice that our names are written in heaven. Well, let me move on with those, those things established and that this heart of praise, to stay in that, that mindset and that heart set of praise. I do want to look at 1 Corinthians uh, 12. And I, I would just ask you to have, have patience with me because now that I've learned to read Greek and Hebrew, it's like I can't not, <laughs> you know? I love it, I like it, there's so much in it. But I love many of the English translations, ESV, New King James, uh, the, the Passion Translation, I mentioned TLD, which is true life version. I love many of like many of the translations. And for those, you know, even if I even if you do know the languages, it's often good to when you're studying a passage to read it in you know three or four different translations. So those translators they know what they're doing, they're doing it good, but there's always nuance in languages. And so once you read three or four translations, you'll get like kind of a full feel for what that passage is saying many times, usually. Uh, so the, re 
the version of First Corinthians 12, 1 through 11 I'm going to read is adapted from DSV with some changes based on my reading of the Greek. Now about spiritual matters, many of the uh, versions will say about spiritual gifts, uh, the word pneumatikon is really like spiritual things. Later on, he, there's a word karismatikon, uh, which is what the word charismatic comes from. Uh, which is more, maybe better to translate gifts. So about spiritual matters, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, as you were led, you were led astray to mute idols. So I want to explain to you that no one speaking in God's spirit says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So I have to pause at that point and explain something. In the New Testament, the word kyrios means Lord. It has a special role to play. And it already had that, the, uh, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, but it had been translated into Greek. And in that translation, wherever it had the word Yahweh, the name Yahweh for God, they would put kyrios. I don't know if it's every time, but generally. And so, in, in our Bibles, when we read in the Old Testament, when we see the, the Lord and ORDs in all capital letters, that's Yahweh. Right? So, for some of us, like we sang that song, there's no God like Jehovah. There's another one, uh, there's another one with the name Yahweh over and over the same piece a couple weeks ago. And um, so, when you're reading your Old Testament, come across the Lord and it's all caps. If you're right, just say Yahweh. Right? Well, when it says no one can say Jesus is Lord, that gives you some background for that. Because for people that knew the Greek Bible, the word Lord meant Yahweh. Right? Uh, in a context like this. There might be other contexts where it had a different sense. So this is talking about a confession of faith in Jesus as the Son of God. So what he's saying is no one can make a confession of faith in Jesus as the Son of God except by the Holy Spirit. In uh, 1 John, it says it uh, a little differently. It says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For no one can say uh, that Jesus has come in the flesh except by the Holy Spirit. So it's uh, I'm paraphrasing. Four through seven, but there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service, and the same Lord, again, Kyrios, and there are varieties of powers, but the same God, who empowers them all and everyone. But to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the benefit of all. So five statements are made. First of all, when it has this repeating pattern, varieties of this, but the same spirit, the same Lord, the same God, it's, a, uh, it's called parallelism. And so it's using different words to describe the same thing. It says there are gifts, or you could say graces. It says there are service, or uh, ministry. Ministry and service are the same thing. It says there are powers or actions, or like empowered actions. The word is kind of in between those two senses. So spiritual gifts, they're gifts from God. They're for service. They're empowered. And then after that, it says each one is the manifestation of the Spirit. Manifestation to make Him known. So they're for the purpose of making God known, making the Spirit of God known. Or like, uh, they're how the Spirit is revealed, the activity of the Spirit is revealed. And then they're for the benefit of all. So they're for the good of the community. Uh, verse 8 for 11. For to one is given by the Spirit a word of wisdom, but to another a word of knowledge from the same Spirit, to another one faith in the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing in the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing of spirits or discerning of spirits, to another types of languages or tongues, and to another interpretation of languages. And the one and the same Spirit works all of these, distributing to each one just as he wishes. So what is the discernment of spirits? I, uh, 
like I said, I was surprised when the Holy Spirit prompted me to teach on this, and I hadn't really studied it before, so I got some books, I read up. So this is what I came to. The discernment of spirits is a supernatural ability given by God's Spirit to both recognize the presence of a spirit and to differentiate between various types of spirits. So let me say that again. The discernment of spirits is a supernatural ability given by God's Spirit to recognize the presence of a spirit and to differentiate between different types of spirits. Here's some things discerning spirit is not. Discerning spirits is not. Discerning spirits is not general wisdom or observation. However, as you might notice from the examples I gave, the two often work together. So many times there will be an unusual situation that we'll observe and use wisdom about, and then the, the, the gift of discernment of spirits will be activated in order to discern what spirit is operating. Uh, discerning of spirits is not general discernment of right and wrong, truth and falsehood. We all need to exercise this type of discernment as we go throughout our lives. Uh, but this is a different thing. This isn't like analyzing after the fact, like, oh, let's look at the fruit. I mean, that's important. We need to do that. We need to look at the fruit of the ministry, of an, of an event, or whatever, and, and you know, use analysis, use reason, use the scriptures, absolutely, and even use the inside of the Holy Spirit to understand what's going on. But discernment of spirits is more like when you're in the moment, this is my experience, when you're in the moment and you recognize a certain spirit is active and involved, or even just present. Uh, let me move on. Discernment of spirits is not fault-finding. Um, observation of sin is not discernment of spirits. We don't cast out sin, we confess sin. Uh, if we recognize there's sin in someone's life, then, you know, we talk, talked about this a few weeks ago, and you joked about it with uh, Donnie. We go to them in private if it's appropriate to do so. And if, we're not, if it's not appropriate to do so, keep our mouth shut. You know? Uh, or, and we can pray for the person. We should. We should pray for the person. And also the, our observation of sin helps us to have wisdom way to interact with the person, right? Uh, but, just like the other ones, that it's not general observation, in this case, it's not just observing sin. However, observing sin at times, especially when it's ongoing, unrelenting, or empowered in a way, can alert us to the activity of the Spirit. Um, all right, so what types of spirits can we discern? Number one, the Holy Spirit. We can recognize that the Holy Spirit is present, that he's acting. Sometimes when you hear someone speaking, uh, it's hard to know. Like, is that person speaking by the Spirit of God or by another spirit or out of their own, you know, just person? And the discernment of spirits can show us when a person's action or speech is by the Spirit. And I think that's one that, at least in our community, we do engage in quite you know, recognize when the Holy Spirit's moving in our midst and, in, and through a certain person. Uh, we can discern angels. Uh, when I was reading one book, it was by uh, Gordon Lindsay. Uh, he, it was published by Christ for the Nations, which is in Dallas. I seriously, like, the 70s and 80s was like the worldwide for, for this topic. Because back then, it was like the charismatic renewal and people were learning about spiritual gifts. You know, and since then it hasn't, it doesn't seem like there's been quite as much written. Uh, this is how he opened his section on discernment of spirits. And to me, that was actually really helpful. Because as I was going into this, I was primarily thinking about evil spirits. And as I read his opening section on discerning the presence of angels, and he went through the scriptures and showed, like, for example, Elisha, when there was an army around him and his servant was like freaking out, and Elisha was calm. He said, don't worry, there's more for us than there are against us. And then he prayed that God would open the servant's eyes and he saw the angel armies from that song uh, surrounding this army. So recognize, even seeing angels, like according to Gordon Lindsay, falls in this category. I don't know, some of these gifts overlap. There can, I think sometimes someone can have a word of knowledge that 
Um, and then other times it's discernment spirits, and sometimes it's hard to tell which exactly is it is, but then that's okay. Right? As long as we know it's the one spirit. They're all from the same, one of the same spirit, you know? Uh, but, but God can give us an awareness of the presence of angels and of their activities and their purpose. And this is reassuring. It's certainly been reassuring for me having little kids, you know? Like, know, recognizing, oh, because I would have friends uh, who were more, uh, in some ways, more spiritually aware than me, who would see angels. I remember when Solomon was born, and he was in the Niku, and one of our friends had a vision. You? One of our friends had a vision of an angel holding him, because we were, we were so torn up that we couldn't be with him all the time. And uh, she saw this angel that was like nine feet tall holding him. And yes, amazing. But I've had, I haven't seen that, but I've had like, recognition of the presence of angels, either in, in the room or around our property. I think that's discerning of spirits. Uh, we can discern human spirits. Uh, this one I'm, you know, trying to learn about, but um, I think that one of the ways in which this comes into play is if we're actually in, uh, when we're in a spiritual fight, and there's actually like, um, the cult, you know, practitioners of the cult, whether they would consider themselves witches or some other category, who are involved, at times, like, there could be the presence, you know, you could be going through a fight for someone's freedom or over, or like, you're just, there's a spiritual attack going on, and you take authority, you command that every evil spirit to leave, and I haven't experienced this myself, but, you know, read and heard, there could be a, a human spirit involved. And it's like, if God, if God will give you the discernment, oh, that's actually not a demon, that's a person. That's like, their spirit is present absent from your body. And so that's good to know, because who knows, you know, we might get into a situation where we need to know that, and we need to have, be, be prepared and have that discernment, right? And um, as far as like, what you do then, I don't know, preach the gospel, I guess? I don't know, you know? Um, it's a person you're dealing with. But also, I think that this can involve like recognition of a, of a person's, of the character of a person's spirit. So the example I think, I mean, I think this can be positive. Like we, we connect with people who are like, oh man, there's something about that. We just immediately have this like-mindedness, you know? Uh, maybe that's discerning this with the activity of the Holy Spirit in their life, but I think it's more than that. But then I think it can be on the other side too, where we recognize someone's not what they see. And again, like with if you observe sin, you know, we have to be careful with this. This isn't for telling our friends about, even for intercession. Uh, at least, you know, be very cautious of it. And make sure you're walking by the Spirit of God. But it's for wisdom, and it's, it can be for prayer for the person privately. Uh, and so the example, the best biblical example for this I know is Judas. Jesus knew what he was from the beginning. And how did that change his behavior toward him? As far as we can, from all the evidence, not a bit. He was sent out with the twelve. And he, he actually did miracles, right? Jesus washed his feet. When he, they're at the Last Supper and Jesus is saying, one of you, I don't remember how he said it, but he's in John. Actually, he's in multiple gospels. You know, when he's calling out that there was one that was not going to do the right thing. I don't know, maybe some of you remember. Is that what it was? Unclean? One of you will betray me? And the disciples are like, what? Is it me? You know, nothing he had done had revealed it, that he knew it was Judas. So, what's that teach us, right? Like, if we feel that we're discerning about somebody that they're not what they see, man, what an example, right? Of like continuing to show love and honor, continuing to include, but at the same time, to have wisdom. Like Jesus was prepared, his heart was prepared, he knew what was coming, right? So, but then finally, like the, uh, what I opened with talking about, we can discern the presence of evil spirits. So we're going to talk about, uh, I don't know if it's, we, we want to, we're, we're going to wind down in a moment, but we're, we're going to, we're going to transition to, um, 
like you said, activation. But so Jen, if you could either pass this out yourself or maybe someone could help her. I, I uh, wrote up a handout which says at the top, how to respond when you discern the presence or activity of a human spirit. Right? So because of what I shared before, hopefully you won't be surprised that the first step is praise. Praise God, particularly in the area that the enemy is attacking. Okay? The second step, is, and again, I'm, I'm sharing for, as I can from scripture, but also from my own experience and my own journey, we, um, we, depending on the situation, the second step, we either have to command that spirit to leave, or we bind that spirit or restrict its activity, okay? Then the third step, invite the Holy Spirit to come and release heaven, right? So there's a bunch more which y'all can look through. Actually, maybe I'll go through some of the points, uh, particularly under number two. Depending on the situation, either command the spirit to leave or bind the spirit in Jesus' name. If it's your own home, yourself, or your young children, just command the spirit to leave. Take authority, command the spirit to leave, invite the Holy Spirit to come. If it's if it involves someone who's either not present in an organization or a community over which you don't really have full authority, or someone who's not in agreement, you can bind that spirit, restrict it from operating. In particular, if it's, in, it's um, getting in the way, you know, like the example of the family member responding in anger, it was getting in the way of something that needed to happen. So we bound that spirit and said it's no longer allowed to, to operate, and it didn't. Uh, and then number three, if you're working with a person who's in agreement, including children who are old enough to understand, which is pretty young, uh, you know, um, I told my kids, Certainly, the order to. Um, it's often good to have the person who is being affected by the spirit tell the spirit to leave, and then agree with them. So the way I've done this with my children, uh, more than once, they've woken up screaming. I've gone in, I've talked to them, what's going on? They're just really upset, maybe they had a dream, something like that. And so I, t I do a little teaching, teacher, and. Uh, and then I, I tell them, like, you know, God, you know what? If you trust Jesus, God's given you authority. God's made you. In, actually, I don't say authority. There you go. God put. God made you in charge. You can tell that thing to go. You can tell that spirit. I, I do use the word spirit. You can tell that spirit to go. You can tell the fear to go. And they do, and it does. Okay. And then I agree with them. So they say, Zeke, you, you experienced this. Something like this, yeah. Um, so they'll they'll do it. Zeke actually, uh, do you mind if I share what he said? What he he had this happen in a dream before, where he he recognized there was an evil spirit. In his dream, he commanded that spirit to leave, which is his name. It's really cool. Uh, and then number three, invite the Holy Spirit to come. This is really important. Um, you know, many of you might already think of the, the example Jesus gave if the spirit leaves and the house is clean and swept and it's uninhabited over in seven minutes. Um, I don't think that's a, I don't, I personally, I don't think that's a warning for believers because if we're believers, we have the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, if you're a believer in Jesus, don't you be afraid of telling the spirit to leave and tell it to leave. Once you recognize it, you recognize it, then you have authority. Right? But um, then the last little point I have there, this is something I'm growing in and learning about. According to your own faith and understanding, you may want to release angels to operate in the situation. Now, the reason I qualify it that way is for a long time, I wasn't really comfortable with this. And like personally, like, giving an instruction to an angel is what? And so I would pray instead. And I think that's wonderful. Do that. Pray, God, would you release your angels? Would you send your angels to minister, to station them around our home? Um, so Jen's going to come up, and we're going to give a couple of examples. Little... Oh, 
Yeah, we kind of thought um, earlier today, we came up with like two examples that we go through. Um, and I just wanted to say too that um, being aware of the spiritual atmosphere around us is really important. Um, and to just know that God's empowered us to give us um, the right words and a strategy to know how to deal with situations, to make them switch to be in favor of what God wants in that situation and that person. So um, I just want to pray, too, that we are more sensitive to the spiritual realm. I feel like yeah. it's so easy to get caught up in our physical bodies and not realize that we really are spiritual people and we need to be aware of spiritual things around us. Um, there's been a lot of people in my life, especially my one of my spiritual fathers who was really into prayer walking and taking authority in areas around um, where God would lead him in his um, city and even in his neighborhood. And um, I want to say Chris Bowton too from Bethel has a lot of stories about prayer walking around um, their area and Weaverville that they're in and how years later things had transpired that they had prayed specifically for. And so that's really encouraging to hear um, the fruit of that, you know, all of those years of walking and praying and tears being shed and God is is coming through and changing the region and changing those neighborhoods for 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 good. Um, so one example I wanted to kind of talk about since I'm a mom with kids home a lot, <laughs> just the idea that um, that they can get into a, a situation too where they're arguing and there's contempt and it can affect us and just realizing too that you know later on we talked about this example but I'm like this happened just like a week ago where the kids are fighting, they're arguing, not getting along, and then we started to like bicker, and it was affecting all of us. And I'm like, when we were talking about the subject today, I was made aware, like, wow, like, I think there was a spirit behind that. And um, now that I've learned, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take authority and go through this with them next time I notice that happening. So the first thing that we can do in that situation um, is we can praise, praise the Lord. Say, praise you, God, that you are the God of peace and joy and unity. Yes. Thank you for this family you've given me. You have a purpose for us, for good, and to love others. Um, so praising the Lord, um, doing, calling on the things of the Lord that are in the opposite spirit, um, like Joe said. And then the second thing I would say is I command any spirit of divisiveness, anger, disunity to leave in Jesus' name. You are, you are not allowed to come into this home and to cause um, any of us to fight that you need to go in Jesus' name. And another thing, too, you didn't really touch on, but I think is very biblical, is to anoint your home. If you go into a new home, you, you're in a new apartment, a new season of life, um, to go around to all the rooms, and especially to the front door, um, to pray over and anoint with oil your home to be a sacred place for the Holy Spirit to fill mm -hmm. and that anything of the enemy is not allowed to come. Because um, <clears throat> there's definitely territorial spirits that will influence, especially if you're in a certain neighborhood. Um, another example I want to say is to on our trip back from Oregon, we went through Corvallis where um, Oregon State is where Joe went to college and we were driving in the night, and I noticed Joe kept circling around this building. And I think I was kind of in and out of sleeping. I'm like, Joe, what are you doing? Like, are you lost? And he's like, no, this is a Masonic temple right here. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to drive around it as many times as necessary to pray. Like, okay. Like, I first right up, I'm like, okay, everyone needs to get involved in this. So I got all the kids on board and said, okay, guys, we're praying. This is uh, a place that does some stuff and it has ties to um the cult um and so we prayed and we drove around as many times as the lord told us to and until we felt a release and then we went on our way and went home um 
So, what's the next one? Um, the next example we kind of thought of is knowing that a lot of you are teachers. <laughs> um, just the idea of teaching children and knowing that children can also be affected by different spirits. Um, I just came up with the idea of like if there's a kid that seems depressed in the school um, and how you could go about praying for that child and declaring God's um, reign over that classroom, um, whether it's before the kids come or after the fact. So let's like model that. Okay. Let's go through the steps. Say we, say we not only recognize that someone is depressed, but we, we have a discernment. Oh, this isn't even just this one child. This is, there's a spirit here. Like we have this sense that there's a spirit of depression mm -hmm. in acting in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what's step one? Let's do it. Let's uh, have it. Let's well, do it. the opposite of depression, I feel, is joy. So I just want to allow and to open up our hearts to let God come and hear his child's life. Yeah. So I And Noel. So here's what yeah. we're going to do, and there may be others, but let's just limit it right now to these two classrooms. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're, because then we can be focused yeah. and we can act in faith, yeah. right? So what we're going to do is we're going to go through steps. First, we're going to praise God. So let's do that. Would you lead out and just praise God for this? Like, it's joy, right? Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yes.
Yes. go ahead and agree with both of you okay so first of all god we thank you you are a god of joy of life you are so good you want to do good to every single student in every each of these classes right now i agree with noel and krista that the spirits of depression suicide self-harm and everything related to those uh types of spirits are bound in their classrooms in the middle school and elementary school where they teach. And that, and we say that when students come into that room, those spirits will lift, they will disappear, they will go out of view, that they will have the opportunity to be in a space that's full of life and joy. And Lord, we release you, we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come into each of those classrooms. We ask that you will send your angels to minister joy and peace and healing to in each of those classrooms and in each of those students that have been afflicted. In Jesus' name, we thank you so much. Um, so, originally what we were going to do is, is break out into smaller groups, but I know we've already kind of gone long. Um, so maybe I can just like send you all with this as an assignment on your way that you so here's here's the way that um, I want to look at what I had written. Now what we're dealing with is not principalities. Okay? We're not talking about the spirit over a region. Right? That's a different thing. And it says specifically says in June nine, uh, June eight and nine to be right, be walk circumspectly, not to be, um, not to like set ourselves against the effects of, of being spiritual beings. Okay. So that's a separate thing. We're talking about demons, evil spirits that are afflicting the individual, the home, at that level. So here's what I did. My plan was is for you to get in groups of two or three, ask God what area or domain, like you could call it, to focus on. It could be yourself, your family, your school, your work, or your neighborhood, right? And then ask God to reveal what He is doing in that situation. So you should pick an area where there's a fight, where there's been a fight, a struggle, right? Where you know there's always not as it should be. Ask God to show what He's doing, what He wants to do, so you can agree with that, praise Him, and honor Him for what He's doing, and pray into that. Then I'm going to do this right now. I'm going to ask God that you will release the gift of discerning the spirits in this congregation. Everybody in this community, that you would release this gift. Uh, Travis prayed here in prayer. I saw the scripture where Jesus said, if you ask, you know, if a child asks his father for bread, he's not going to give him a snake. You know? God is a good God. He's a giving God. These are gifts. And Paul said, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you may prophesy. So we are thoroughly within scriptural grounds to ask God to give each one of us a gift of discerning spirits and we understand that some will have it more profoundly and more clearly than others. So God, we ask that you will give each one a gift. And then you can pray again when you put this into, into practice and ask God to give you that gift. 
and then follow the steps. Like pray and ask God, you know, so we're going to ask God to give us the gift, and then we're going to activate it, but in faith. All the gifts are done in faith. So we're going to turn our attention to the situation, and we're going to discern, is there an evil spirit involved in this situation? And if no, praise God. Move on to prayer. You know, because if there's a problem and there's no spirit involved, it's just, you know, it's sin, it's, it's just it's trouble. So pray, you know, you know what to do in that case. If there is, then go through these steps. The one, two, three, praise God in that area. Uh, bind the spirit or command the spirit to leave the day of the situation. And number three, release heaven. Invite Holy Spirit to come. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph and Jen. Um, Thank you all for having open hearts and uh, pray that you would be prayerful in receiving what God was showing you tonight through Joseph, through Jen. He's your teacher, okay? Uh, he will continue to teach you and lead you in the way that he has for you regarding discerning of spirits. But uh, what we've heard tonight is biblical truth. I believe a present truth for us. Um, I'm going to close up. If you would like to help with the teardown, uh, ask Zach what needs to be done. If you would like to help uh, put kids' stuff back in the bins, uh, that would be awesome. But you guys have an awesome week. Appreciate you all. And I look forward to God continue to bring us together closer as we get closer to Him. All right, have a good night.